Welcome to another sermon from New Bethel Baptist Church. I hope that this sermon will help you to better know who God is, challenge you to grow in your faith, and compel you to go and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. The, uh, the last Sunday that I was here, we talked about uh, the gospel in our town, the evangelism initiative that will be coming up in the new year, but that was also part of this little mini Christmas series where we're, we looked first at the reason, the whole point of what Christmas was about, why Jesus came, and, and today we're going to look a little bit more about how this has really been God's plan from the beginning. But as we enter this Christmas time, as we continue celebrating it, Christmas is a, a time that is filled with traditions, isn't it? You know, a lot of times we don't like doing the same things over and over, but Christmas time, we do like doing a lot of the same things. We like traditions. We like to maybe you decorate your house on the same day after after or before Thanksgiving, depending on who you are. Uh, you go to the same places. You eat the same foods. You enjoy it. You enjoy the time with family. And, and there's one cr- great tradition that many people enjoy: uh, Hallmark movies. Right? Everybody, a lot of people enjoy Hallmark movies. I came across um, a piece of information that. I think it's true. I'm not 100%. You guys can help me test it, okay, if you watch Hallmark movies. I came across some information that every Hallmark movie, if you're watching it with commercials like on the Hallmark channel, the, the conflict, right, because that's the thing. Are there any different Hallmark movies? It's very similar. They're all very similar structures. The, the, <laughs> the conflict happens at exactly an hour and 35 minutes into the movie, with commercials. And, and so I saw this, and I saw many other people saying that they could confirm it, that if you, if you pause it right when the, the Christmas parade gets canceled or whatever it is that's happening, hour and 35 minutes, right? And so we know there's a formula. There's a plan behind a Christmas, these, these Hallmark movies. I even saw online there's some generators you can go through. You pick a profession, you pick um, a, a, a city, you pick a, a, a hometown, right? And, and so it's some lady that's a, a big shot lawyer that has to go to her hometown for some reason and falls in love with some guy who's doing this really quaint little trade that's got like a pottery shop and then something goes wrong, but then it's all okay and Christmas is saved and everything's perfect, right? But when we look at the, the real reason we celebrate Christmas, right, the whole point of those movies is to make you feel like it's an accident, to make you, you feel like these are just things that are just happening, and sometimes when people observe or they think about Christmas, they might think that this is something that happened. This is just out of, out of nowhere, God decided he's going to send his son. And then we have baby Jesus. We get to have celebrate Christmas. And, and then, oh, he, he dies on the cross for us and, and we can be saved from our sins. But when we look at the Bible, we look at what we're going to examine today, the truth becomes clear that God's plan from the beginning was for our redemption through Jesus Christ. The baby in a manger was not an accident. It was something that we could count on. More than the little plot twist in a a Hallmark movie. We could count on God coming through to save His people. So we're going to look at how God's plan from the beginning in Christ Jesus. And I don't think there's a a passage that kind of shows this full scope uh, quite the same as John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. So that's where we're going to start, and we're going to look at a lot of different things, but we're going to start in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, 
And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own, his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who, who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, only who is no one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for this wonderful time that you've given us to just come together to look at your word, to see what you would say to us this morning. God, I pray that as we examine your word, examine the plan that you have had, the, the plan that came to fruition in Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that you will uh, help us to understand and to appreciate the love that you have for us, to see how your love has, has been for us since the beginning. God, I pray that you would be with us and to see, help us to see what part we play in the plan that you have. Be with us this morning and help reveal to us what you would be saying to us this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So uh, the reason I wanted to start here in John chapter 1 is because we can see very clearly who Jesus is and how present and active he's been from the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was, with, he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Right? And then later we see the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word is Jesus. And so Jesus, in the beginning, was Jesus. And Jesus was with God, in the, and Jesus was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. We know this very clearly. Jesus is God in the flesh. And right? We sing the songs, and we talk about Emmanuel, God with us. Right? So we're seeing here, in the beginning, from the beginning of time, Jesus existed. He was not created, begotten, not created. Right? He was begotten, not created. In the beginning, we skip a lot of stuff from creation. He entered into the world. The ones he created did not recognize him. He came to his own people and they rejected him, put him on a cross. Why did Jesus come? We see very, very soon after this passage, right? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. And we talked about this in Sunday school. It, it, it referenced us to his vi a video where I think is actually an, an easy misunderstanding of that passage. For God so loved the world. It's not that he loved it so much. He did, he did love it so much that he sent his only son. It's not what that means in that passage. God loved the world in this way. 
that he sent his only son. For God so loved the world, he loved the world in this way, that he sent his only son. Why? So that whoever would believe in him would have eternal life. That's what we talked about last week. The point of Christmas is God's plan of redemption through Jesus Christ. It's the point of what we should be doing and and sharing. It's, It's why we celebrate Christmas. Joy to the world. Joy through the work of Christ. But this wasn't just something out of nowhere. This wasn't just something that God just decided to do. He knew and He intended to save the world through Christ Jesus. So how do we know this? How can we see this in the rest of the Bible? Right? What happens in that big gap between creation and the coming of Christ? We know the work of Christ. We know why He came. We know that, that he, would, he would reveal grace and truth to us. How do we know this? We see in the Scriptures, all of the Scriptures point to Christ. All of the Scriptures point to Christ, even from the very beginning. So we think about the fall. Think about the garden. When God created mankind, what was their, his, his position with them? What was their position with God? To be with Him. To have relationship with God. They walked with them in the garden. But He loved them and He gave them freedom. He gave them the ability to reject Him. They had one command to follow. You know, you kind of think of that whole the phrase, you had one job, right? You had one job and you messed it up. You think of those funny situations where that can happen in our life where there's only one thing you really need to do and you didn't do it right and everything went wrong. That's kind of what happened here. They had one thing they weren't supposed to do. They can enjoy God in all of His majesty. They can enjoy all of His blessing through the garden. Stay away from this one tree. Stay away from the fruit of that one tree. But they were led astray because of their seeking to be independent from God. We think about that. How often do we hear that same tale of every every kid, once they get to a certain age, they go through that struggle for independence. No matter how well you've loved them, no matter how much you've invested into them, at some point, they, want, they think they know better. And in the same way, we all, at times, think we know better than God. In the same way, Adam and Eve thought that they knew better than God. They saw it was delightful to the eye and desirable for knowledge, and so they disobeyed God. See, the problem with this is it wasn't just one sin, and it was, it was one sin that separated them from God, but it had further ramifications. Their eyes were opened. They realized their nakedness. They realized their shame. The relationship they enjoyed with God was, was broken. They couldn't repair it. And from them, we have inherited this fallen nature. It's not that their sin is condemning us but because of their sin, we are now prone to sin. What did, what did God say before He flooded the earth with Noah? He looked at man and saw that from their youth, what? Their inclinations of their heart were toward, toward evil. We all walk and live sinful lives. Stemming from this situation, we all have a sinful nature. And so we, have a, we live in a fallen world. All of the disarray and disorder that we encounter on a daily basis 
is the result of sin. Every bad thing, every evil thing you've encountered, every tragedy, even seeming uh, things of, of bad fortune is a result of sin, of a fallen world. This is one of the, the, uh, the questions people will have as I look around and I see all the bad things happening and it makes it hard for me to believe in God. It's a result of sin. Oftentimes, if you examine your life, you think of everything you've ever gone through, what you go through is either a result of your sin, someone else's sin, or living in a fallen world where bad things happen. And so people will say, well, why didn't God, why doesn't God do anything about that? He was. He did. And He still is doing something about that. So what do we see? From their sin, there is punishment from sin. They are cast from the garden. And we see in the, in the, New, Te- in the New Testament, the wages of sin is death. Right? If you eat this fruit, you shall surely die. They die spiritually through their sin. They're separated from God. And because of this, all people, that relationship that they enjoyed, that, that we were created to enjoy, we were created for relationship with God, but we don't have it because of our sinfulness. Because of this, all people need to be reconciled to God. But even in this moment, we see the beginnings, we see the, the, the foreshadowing of His plan of redemption to save His people, not to reject them and, and utterly destroy them as we deserve because of our sin. We deserve the punishment. We've earned it, the wages of our sin, we see His grace. When He casts them out of the garden, what does He do? He gives them clothes fashioned from the skin of animals. So what do we see? To cover their shame, there was a sacrifice that covered them. Foreshadowing, showing that God is going to be the one that will cover our shame. Now, we don't want to over-spiritualize everything in the Bible, but we see the way that God works. God working in these things. That our, through, for the covering of shame, there must be sacrifice. Right? Hebrews says that for, there can be no forgiveness without the shedding of blood. We see this. This is part of why we see this in the Bible. Even in their sin, God covers them. He shows grace. He shows kindness. He shows mercy as He casts them out of the garden. And so as they go, we, in Genesis we see God makes, makes plans. He has a, a plan with Abraham. Genesis 12, 3, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is where Abram becomes Abraham and gets into covenant with God. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. How's he going to do that? through Jesus, through His descendant. Long before that happened, He was working toward that. But, but, but after Abraham, after this promise, this covenant has been made, after God is intending to do these things, before His grace is revealed, what has to also be seen? The extent of our transgression. And through Moses, as our passage said, through the law was given through Moses, grace and truth through Jesus Christ, the law was given. What was the purpose of the law being given? I know growing up, 
the easy thing to think is that it's just it's rules for us to follow so we can please God. And that would be true if you ever had the ability to keep God's law. But if you have looked at God's commands, if you've looked at the, God's law, what becomes very quickly clear? You cannot keep God's law. And those that thought they did, in Matthew, in, in chapters 5-7, through seven, what does Jesus do? You've heard it said, but I tell you. You've heard it said, don't murder. I mean, I, I would hope most of us in here have been able to keep that one. But I tell you, if you get angry with your brother, you're in dangers of the fire of hell. So what does he do? He says, the law that you have worked your way into thinking you're keeping, you're not even close. The law exists to reveal our inability, to show us the extent of our sinfulness. So when I'm talking about the law, I'm not specifically only talking about the first five books of the Bible, but the commandments and the sacrificial system. It shows God's holy standard. If you want to please me, you will keep these things, and you'll keep all of these things. And we know, just looking at the, at the ten, right? We know we fall short. We know that we are unable to keep God's law. It shows our inability. It shows that God is holy and that we cannot earn our salvation. We can't keep or live up to His standard. It shows our inability to earn our salvation. The sacrifice of lambs, rams, and bulls could never truly atone for sin. It shows our hopelessness in trying to earn God's favor. And so the law exists in that way. We also see it through the history of the Bible, the stories that we love to tell, the stories we love to enjoy in Scripture. We see foretastes of His redemption through His interactions with humanity. As any Bible story that you look at, you're going to see a part of God's redemptive plan. Whether it's learning more about who God is and His nature and His goodness, or whether it's looking and learning more about who we are and our sinfulness and our need for a Savior. And sometimes you find stories where you see large parts of it laid out. Right? We talked about Abraham. You think about Abraham and Isaac, where Abraham is, is told to take his only son and to sacrifice him. But God provides the sacrifice. Showing, how would we be atoned for? Through His only begotten Son being laid down for us. We think about Moses leading captives out of Egypt. Captive slaves in Egypt being set free to follow and walk with God. We think about David and Goliath, where, where one man stands and, and sets his nation free from something they couldn't hope to defeat themselves. There are foretastes of God's goodness and grace through all of the ways He works through people in His story, leading up to what His ultimate plan of ultimate redemption was through Jesus Christ. So through the history, then we also see through the prophets, we see God's plan proclaimed to people. So in two ways, what were the prophets primarily doing among their contemporaries? Leading people back to God. You see, the, the, the wonderful thing and the amazing thing about these prophets is that they weren't people that were preaching to lots of faithful people. They were people that were, at times, the only person truly seeking to follow God 
among a nation that had been absorbed by idols, seeking to call them back to God. They are a foretaste and a forerunner for Christ, who would come to a nation that rejected Him, crucified Him, while He's leading them back to God. But not only were they leading their contemporaries back to God, they were also proclaiming what God's plan was. They foretold of the Messiah, the the promised one that would come. And we know the prophecies of Jesus, uh, particularly those written in Isaiah, though we love to talk about them at Christmas time, right? Isaiah 7:14, therefore the Lord will give himself the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and his name shall be his name shall be Emmanuel. God with us. Isaiah 9, 6 through 7, for to, uh, to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be, call, shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and evermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. They usher in the birth of Christ hundreds of years before He came. But they didn't just speak of His birth. They spoke of His purpose. Isaiah 53, 5-6 But He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon Him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with His wounds we are healed. All like sheep we have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And I'll tell you, that passage, when I first heard it, right? I first heard it in song form. Casting Crowns has a song about this verse. And I was hearing it in the car as we were just listening to Christian Radio driving around. And I, I just kind of Googled the lyrics one day because I couldn't remember the name of the song. And even right now, I can't remember the name of the song. So that's what I do a lot of times. I'll just Google the lyrics and usually it'll pop up. And so I Googled, He was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our sin. Punishment that brought us peace was on Him. By our wounds we were healed. That's the lyrics of the song. All right, and I Googled it. Do you know what popped up? Isaiah 53. And, and as a, I don't remember how old I was, but as a teenager preteen, somewhere in that area. I was blown away. I was like, you're telling me that not only is, is this song straight from Scripture, this song was straight from Scripture written before the birth of Christ? God's plan was for your redemption through Jesus Christ from the beginning. When we celebrate the birth of Christ, we're not just celebrating a birthday. We got to, to do, you know, we like to throw happy, G, happy birthday Jesus parties when we deal with kids because it's fun because it is Christ's birthday. That's what we we're celebrating, the birth of Christ. But it's so much more than that. It is the fulfillment of God's promises. It is God saying, I will redeem you. I will save you. I will make a way for you to be brought back to me. You were created for a relationship with me. And even though you can't fix this relationship that you've messed up, I'm going to fix it for you. I'm going to do that through my son, Jesus. I'm going to do it in the most 
incomprehensible way. He will come on clouds. He will come with authority and power. But when He came to redeem us, He came as a servant. Born in a manger. Of a, of a teenage girl who was a willing servant to be His mother. And a, and a father, and we'll get to all that stuff next week, who stayed with her through all of that. To be a father to Him. An earthly father to Him. So that He could go to the cross for your sins and for my sins and for the sins of the world. And so before Christ, everything in Scripture points to Him. And then we see God's plan not finished. Finished in payment. Finished in way of reconciliation. The work of Christ is finished and completed. But we're still here today. Because God's plan includes the church. You see, the thing that I think we don't think about enough is that just as God's plan worked through the people of Israel and Abraham, He made a covenant with them. He said, I'm going to bless all of the world through your people and that's fulfilled in Christ because all people, there's no distinction between Jew and Gentile, can be welcomed in. All people can be saved because of the work of Christ. Fulfilled promise to Abraham. There's a new covenant and that covenant is with His church. We are the bride of Christ. And we see in Scripture this continuing. The early church, the manifestation of grace. Acts 3, 25-6. You are the sons of the prophets in the covenant that God made with your father, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up His servant, sent Him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. We see the promise fulfilled. We see the evidence of God's work through the early church, at Pentecost, the coming of God's power. We see the conversion of Saul, the distances God will go. We see how no one is too far from the saving of God's grace. The one who was coming against the church to tear it down, seeking to undo, God uses His tool to spread the gospel. We see the spread of the gospel to the other churches. We see through the ages, and this is what I want you to understand, we can't decide things or speak things or say things in and of ourselves, and decide that they are gospel or, or that they're equal to scripture by any means but in this world we are god's agents for reconciliation to everyone we encounter and we should lead them to scripture we should show them the truth of scripture but god's story is still unfolding god's plan is still unfolding and we are a part of it if you are a believer in this room, God has called you to engage and be a participant in His reconciliation work to the world. What that means is that there are people whose relationship with Him is broken, and that's why Christ came. And as long as you live, if you are a Christian, your goal is to reconcile people to God. Your goal is to enjoy and to celebrate what God has done for you, and to see how his story from the beginning, he planned to redeem you, but you realize that his story is still unfolding because Christ has not returned. And you're, you may not be written about in Scripture, you may not have Bible books written about you, but you are a part of God's story. To tell people the good news of what Jesus has done. Christ the King has come. Why? 
Not so that we celebrate and have trees and, and gives gifts. It's a, it's a season of joy. Joy because the King has come and we have been saved. And we see this, how once the Bible ended, God's work continued. Think about through the ages, God's providence and faithfulness. There are so many stories, if you look at the history of the church, where, where it was on the brink. Right? I, I love thinking about St. Patrick and, and how the story of how when all of the, the, the crusades were happening in, in Europe and a lot of Islam and Christianity were really going at it. In Christianity, a lot of things were destroyed. A lot of the, 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 the history, a lot of those things were, or libraries might have been burned. There was a beacon in Ireland, which was once a place of wickedness where St. Patrick planted hundreds of churches that helped re-evangelize lots of Europe. How there was the, the Protestant Reformation when, the church, when people that were claiming to follow God were abusing people and abusing their power. There were people that said, no, I will look at God's word and see what is true. And that's not true. God was faithful. There was providence in history up to this point. I want you to think of something. Consider the number of people who had to believe. Consider the people who had to be faithful for you to be a believer here this morning. From the time that Christ was raised from the dead. Think about that. You have a lineage of faith from one of those believers. From one of the people that, that were there with Him, that were witness to His resurrection. You have a lineage of faith from there. Someone believed and told someone. Who believed and told someone. Who believed and raised their children to believe. Who told someone. So that we could be sitting here today celebrating the good news of our Savior who has come. And so we think about the story, the plan from the beginning. As we look at this Christmas season, what we need to remember is the continued proclamation of the promise fulfilled. When we follow God, we are a living testament to the goodness and grace of God. Everywhere that you go, people are watching you. People are observing you. In your life, right? There's the, the saying is your life might be the only Bible some people ever read. And I do think it's a very true one. I hope it's not. And if you, li if you live your life well, you're going to point them to Scripture. You're going to point them to the truth of it. You're not going to think you have the answers in and of yourself and your ability to convince people God's Word is living and active. We point them to it. But if we have absorbed ourselves in Him, we, if we have abided in Him, what does He promise? I will abide in you. And people will see that. I had a conversation recently with a person and, and they had a lot of questions and, and I was talking to them about whether they believed in God or not and they, they kind of just said, yeah, I just, I don't really know that I believe. And he's like, I just don't really think there's a lot of evidence. We are called to be the evidence that God is living and that God can save So I want you to think about your life. You know, when we live our life, we, we want to figure out what, our, what is my purpose? What am I here for? If you are a Christian, well, if you're not a Christian, let me tell you this. Let me start with this. If you are not a Christian, if you've not been saved, if you're not following Christ, your purpose is to live in relationship with God. That is why He created us, to enjoy Him. There's nothing better that we can enjoy 
than to enjoy God, to live in relationship with Him. And He created us for that purpose. But because of our sin, that relationship is broken. We have broken this relationship because of our sinfulness, our disobedience. We've turned our back on Him. But God loved us so much that He sent His Son so that we could be made right with Him. Not because we are good enough, not because we deserve it, but because of His love for us. And so if you don't know Him this morning, the call is to be reconciled to God. To say, I am a sinner. I need to be saved. I believe that Jesus came. I believe He's the Son of God. I believe He died for me and was raised again. And I want Him to save me from my sin. And if you do that, you'll be in right relationship with God. You will be saved. You can have relationship with Him. And when you do that, you should follow in baptism, in obedience. You should be a part of a local body, be a part of a church, and follow Him. But then once you do that, once you're a part of a body, once you've followed these steps, your life, your purpose is to enjoy that relationship with God and bring others to the knowledge of the truth. Because the reason that Christ is not returned, He said to Himself, He is patient, not wishing any to perish, but all to come to salvation. How are they going to do that? We talked about that last week. If we don't go and share. God's plan has always been and always was to redeem the world through Jesus Christ. And His plan always was and always is is for us to be a part of the story that is continuing to unfold. To go and to proclaim. Right? Go tell it on the mountain. It's not just about, it's not just about the birth. But why is His birth so significant? Because it's the fulfillment of His promise. That even though you're far off, you can be brought near, no matter what you've done. And we have all of Scripture to point out that there's not a person that's too far from God. Right? I think that's why he he, he let those things be recorded. Why did he use Saul? So that no one could say they've done too many things. Our job is to proclaim the joy and the peace and the goodness and all of these things we celebrate at Christmas time about what Christ has done for us. And that He's also done it for everyone we encounter. And so as you consider your life, as you consider how you're celebrating this Christmas season, is part of what you're doing seeking to participate in the story of God. When Christmas is over and all of the trees go away and and everything is, is, is taken down and we move into 2023, is part of your plan for that year to be a part of what God is doing that's what we are called to do. And so this time, Becky's going to come and we're going to have a time of invitation. And I want to invite you to examine what your role in the story of God is. And if you're sitting here today and you don't know Him, I want to invite you to come into right relationship with Him. That is why Christ came. He loves you. He died for you. So that you could be saved. Don't hesitate any longer. Or maybe you have another step that, that God would be calling you to take to follow Him in, in baptism or to follow Him in joining the church and to being, obe- to being a part of a body of believers. Whatever God is calling you to do, be a part of God's story this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for 
this day that you've given us. We thank you for just how beautiful your plan of redemption is. That though we didn't deserve it, though you could have wrote us off, you loved us. You pursued us. You made a way for us to be right with you. And God, I pray that we would, would rejoice in that this morning. But more than that, God, I pray that we would live out a life of gratitude that proclaims your goodness to the world. I pray that you would work on each of our hearts this morning and show us where you would call us to and what you, where you would be leading us to go this morning, what you would be leading us to do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope this sermon has been a blessing to you today. If you have any questions about what you've heard, we would love to hear from you through our church Facebook page, email, or by calling the church office.